2: I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. Well, I'm going to start today with my event of the week that I attended, which was the Sports Legacy Institute's 7th Annual Impact Awards last night. Very impressive event, one that I've always wanted to go to, and last night was my first. Uh, it's at the Boston Harbor Hotel, among the nicest hotels here in Boston. And Sports Legacy Institute, as many of you know, uh, is famous for its sports concussion research, research and reform. And it's groundbreaking research on the brain disease known as CTE. So last night uh, was a star-studded event, famous Television reporter Andrea Kramer was the Master of Ceremonies. A lot of well-known people there, including Eric Winston, the president of the NFL Players Association. Tom Brady's father was there. And the event honored last night uh, Brandi Chastain, the famous women's soccer player who scored the iconic... Winning goal in the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, Women's World Cup out in uh, out at the Rose Bowl, and uh, in front of a ninety thousand plus people. Uh, and in addition to Brandy, she the co award winner was Cindy Parlow Cone, also a famous famous women's soccer player, was on the World Cup teams as well as the Olympics. And uh, so right now, SLI, as the Sports Legacy Institute is known, is targeting the sport of soccer with, uh, with its awareness campaign. Specifically, uh, they're working on getting headers out of the game, especially before the age of 14. Uh, There was a lot of research uh, mentioned last night, and it's startling, to say the least, uh, how many youngsters get concussions uh, before the age of 14, and the effect it can have on their life. They actually had a young woman, 15 years old, from North Carolina, spoke, or excuse me, from Memphis, and Gracie Hussey was her name, and she talked about her concussion history she was a terrific speaker and very heartfelt and basically she uh, had her first uh, concussion from soccer at age eight had her second at age thirteen she's fifteen now as i mentioned and it's been a tough road no other way to say it and she articulately Discussed the challenges she's faced, the medical care she's uh, had to undergo, and pretty frightening stuff. And uh, to hear her story is to certainly understand uh, why Uh, headers should come out of the game, earlier the better, and just amazing uh, the numbers, the number of people. Kids that are getting uh, that are getting concussions and soccer is widely known. I mean, we all know about football and the risk there, but soccer is uh, widely known to uh, to have a lot of concussions within that sports at all ages, right up and through and including uh, you know last this past summer's World Cup. Uh, one of the most interesting things that Gracie said was when she met Chris Nowinski who, along with uh, Dr. Robert Cantu, co-founded the SLI. That Chris was, uh, before she had met Chris, she had never met someone who understood what she was going through. So it was a breakthrough of sorts for her. The initiative is called Safer Soccer, and... It's really uh, something that's taking hold. They're, they're making a lot of progress on this at all levels of the world of soccer. And a lot of that's due to Chris Nowinski, a uh, famous Harvard graduate, WWE superstar, who has really uh, taken this subject and brought it into the American consciousness, to say the least. Uh Chris was, of course, a, a gracious host last night, and he uh, he, along with uh, with Dr. Cantu, spoke to the crowd last night. Uh, There's a few hundred people there, and uh, again, they also detailed research what they're doing on the soccer initiatives. And they were also working, by the way, with uh, the Santa Clara Institute and uh, Brandy Chastain actually graduated from Santa Clara. So there's a strong connection there. But, uh, so Randy Chastain and Cindy are Cindy Parlo Cohn are both all in on bringing awareness to this subject and doing what they can to reduce the incident of concussions with kids playing soccer. Uh, they're both clearly committed, and, you know, as Brandy said when she accepted the award, you know, maybe it's time we take, take the heading out of soccer. And <clears throat> she wowed the crowd by saying, you know, that she believes that this could be her legacy and is actually could be more important than her 1999 iconic goal that we all remember because she ripped off her shirt Sank to her knees, and it was just, uh, again, on the short list of most famous scenes in the history of American sports. And uh, so they're working with, uh, you know, U.S. soccer, try to make progress on that front. She, of course, played for the team, as did Cindy uh, parlo Cone. Cindy is now a youth soccer coach today, and she was known for her... Uh, talent in heading the ball. She's tall, about six feet. She's had, you know, post-concussion syndrome for over thirteen years. She estimates that she may have had over a hundred concussions if you count when she quote saw stars, and uh, and she put it all very succinctly when she said, you know, we have a concussion crisis in youth sports, and that really did uh, pretty well sum it up. Um, they were both introduced. By again, uh, another well known sports figure, their coach, uh, Tony DeCecco, from that famous women's national team in the late 90s. And uh, so, yeah, so it was really just uh, an eye opening experience. I've followed this story closely, as we all have. And uh, to see the progress they've made over the years is stunning. To say the least, Uh, I think many of you, I'm sure, have seen uh, all the media coverage of this event. HBO Sports, for instance, uh, has done some uh, very interesting shows. But, you know, know, it's everywhere. They, uh, SLI, have helped bring it into the American consciousness. So... Uh I'm grateful to the to them for welcoming me into their event last night. It was uh again very impressive, very educational, and uh I was honored to be there. Now, moving on, my highlight of the week uh had to be Madison Baumgartner's historic postseason, with the exclamation point being his game seven, heroics coming in Uh, to pitch the final five innings two days after throwing a complete game shutout on Sunday night. What I likened it to immediately, the minute he literally threw his first pitch in relief, was, which is famous up here in Boston, but throughout, Pedro Martinez coming off the bench in 1999 playoff game. Speaking of 1999 playoff game against the... uh, Cleveland Indians, and Pedro was actually injured, and uh, he was just awesome, like Bumgarner, and just basically closed the door, and enabling the Red Sox advance to advance that year in the playoffs, and uh, it was just deja vu all over again, watching Madison Bumgarner pitch, and just again... Relived that famous night, which, believe me, in New England, it's an iconic night. It's, 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 you know, in the New England Sports Hall of Fame, Pedro's effort that night. And uh, so it was great to see. And what Bumgarner did was just uh, historic, you know. I, like many other people, were, you know, loving the Royals story. But, you know, one thing I love probably more than a good underdog story is watching sports history. And we certainly saw that throughout the postseason, but especially Game 7 the other night. My low light of the week was uh, the Chicago Bears' Lamar Houston after sacking backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday right up here in New England against the Patriots. The fourth quarter down 20-plus points. He celebrated the sack right off the bat. That's a no-no uh, when you're down 25. And, uh, and then, of course, when you come down the celebration, he became the second player in the NFL this year to jump up, celebrate a sack, and on the landing, uh, tear his ACL out for the season. So that was uh, uh, not good form, shall we say. And uh, speaking of the Patriots, uh, what they did to the Bears was unbelievable, as was Ben Roethlisberger throwing six touchdowns and over 500 yards passing against the Indianapolis Colts. Amazing to watch as well. We'll put, have to put that as, as one of the highlights of the week. And uh, this Sunday, can't wait. I will be there for Patriots Broncos and Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. His dad will be there, <laughs> as he mentioned to me last night. No surprise there. And, uh, and at halftime, they're going to honor the three-time Super Bowl champs. There's 22 of them, and 17 will be there. Uh, if you count Tom Brady, 18 will be there. Adam Benatieri cannot be there uh, since he's still playing. Brady and Benatieri are the only two players still playing from that won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. And then uh a couple of coaches, Larry Izzo among them. A couple of guys are coaching Mike Vrabel. And uh so yeah, that's gonna be uh quite the event. The weather here in New England is uh looking pretty shaky and uh Could be cold, windy, could be a chance of rain, and or even talking the possibility of snow. As I've often said on this show, Peyton Manning seems to always uh, arrive for the, what I like to call the snow-on-demand games in Foxborough. Could have another one on Sunday evening. Game begins at 4.30. Should be awesome. Clearly the game of the year so far in the NFL. And lastly, my bizarre story of the week was watching the NFL at 9.30 a.m. last Sunday. And I don't mean bizarre bad. I mean bizarre good. I loved it. Loved it. Earliest ever start for an NFL game. Great to wake up to live NFL action. It was just fabulous. Uh, and what was additionally bizarre was the way the Lions won. Uh, you know, they committed a penalty, delay of game, and they get to re-kick a miss kick, which wins the game. They recovered from a 21 nothing deficit And that was a completely bizarre ending, uh, especially when you consider that they committed a penalty to give them, and they get a second chance, and they win the game. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
3: now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
0: want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience tune in to sports info um with daryl oliver and sam sword we'll talk about the drafts play-by-play and even what's happening in the offseason Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: If you think you've seen online TV before...
1: It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Voice
2: America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and A.P., how are you doing today?
4: Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John. doing pretty good. Starting to feel a little bit like it's fall in the south here
2: in the 60s so i guess that happens uh by halloween
4: right yeah the weather starts to change some so yeah looking forward to a little cooler weather
2: yeah well happy halloween to you uh fall is needless to say officially here and we may actually get our first taste of winter on sunday it's it's going to feel like winter and as always seems to happen when Peyton Manning comes to town, there is the possibility <laughs> of snow. And again, as I said at the end of the segment, I've, for years, gone back to those famous playoff games uh, in the 2003 to 2004 era. Every time Peyton Manning showed up for a game in January, it would snow one time literally as he appeared in the tunnel. It started to snow, and <laughs> here we are years later and it's still happening uh um but it does look like a pretty nasty weather day it's almost a lock with winds uh talking 20 25 mile an hour winds uh starting in the high 30s ending in the low 40s it's going to be an interesting day uh i'll be there but i'm sure it'd be a fun game to sit at home and watch on sunday evening as well
4: Yes, smart weather person John would have picked up on that that foreshadowing of Peyton Manning every time he shows up. It snows.
2: He really does. Yeah, it's just it's been a remarkable uh, pattern through the years. Uh, (laughs) But speaking of big games, why don't we just jump into uh, last night's big game? You know, I was as I described in my opening segment. I was at an event. Uh, sports Legacy Institute, the organization that uh, researches concussions and uh, and gets a lot of reform on those sports concussions. Uh, so once the event draws to a conclusion, I of course pulled up my pulled out my iPhone and get the Florida State Louisville score, and it was twenty four to seven Louisville in what was you know obviously looking like. A major upset Florida State and Jameis Winston. They've won twenty four in a row, so I scurried to my to the closest T V where I became glued and I get it. Florida State should thank me. No sooner did I do that than they just started scoring in buckets, erased the deficit and went back and forth. Uh obviously they won. And I gotta just say at this point, you know, Florida State, you know, I'm not a big fan, and I think there's a lot of people around the country would like to see them lose. That is (laughs) pretty obvious. But boy, after last night, I I found myself thinking, you know, my respect for them grew. They're starting to do this with increasing frequency where they come back from these deficits. The pressure's enormous, growing each week over the course of two years. So... A pretty fascinating game, to say the least. But I got to hand it to the Seminoles uh, for what they're, you know, what they're proving to be, which is, you know, true champions, like them or don't like them.
4: John, when you watch the game uh, in Louisville, took that twenty-one to nothing lead. I'm sure the Louisville fans thought, maybe this is our evening. But I just. Thought to myself, Florida State will come back because they're so used to scoring points. They've had so many close calls, and especially this year when they've been behind. So there was nothing new. It, it, it was something that's been in their profile, and I was not surprised that they came back to win the game. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, when people look at Florida State, they're projecting and well, they could have lost. They, well. Uh, you have to go back to that Bill Parcells quote. I mean, you are what your record states, or you know something to yeah. that effect. And they just keep winning games, no matter the circumstances, no matter the external factors, no matter the distractions off the field. Which I don't like. I say, and I've always told you many times, this generation, I don't think they have a conscience. So there are no distractions off the field. They just show up to play the game like nothing has happened.
2: That's a good point. And you know, the leader of that band, Jameis Winston, is the leader at doing that. Uh, He he clearly, you know, has unbelievable focus, you know, between the lines. There is no other way to say it. I mean, he just does it, you know, time and time and time again. I mean, there was yet another player, uh, you know, involved in a little something this week. Uh, Clearly, that didn't distract him as well. It's not always about Jameis. uh, But yeah, yeah, I mean, what they're doing now with these comebacks, and last night may have been among their most, their biggest ones. Uh, you know, it, it's impressive. Uh, you know, a lot of people were calling for Louisville to pull the upset. They have one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, obviously, it was at home, you know, and I, I look at 24 to 7, and um, like, uh, I just, my first thought was, all right, this is it. It's over. This is it. And boy, no sooner did I say that and get in front of a TV than it wasn't it. And they scored a couple of quick touchdowns, and you know we got a ball game, and off we go. But again, you you know, they're you, you know they're they're just proving to be, you know, a pretty impressive defending champion after a very impressive. National championship run last year, uh, so we shall see. But again, you know, got a hand it to them. and last night was clearly, you know, their toughest game of the year. Although I do, you know, Boston College is going down there in a couple of weeks, I believe. And let's not forget what I've always said about BC. Uh, you know, they they pop up every few years and pull an upset, and they already did this year. So I don't know that it'll be in the cards because it'll be USC when USC was highly ranked back at the beginning of the season. So it's going to be fun to watch, uh, you, you know. Uh, which brings us, AP, I'm dying to get your opinion on the first-ever college football playoff poll that was released on Tuesday evening.
4: Yeah, no surprise that the top two, John, You you could have switched them, put Florida State first, Mississippi State second, but I think everyone had those two down, Pat. Now, when you get to three and four, there there's some question marks there. Uh, there's so many teams with one loss. John, I I was trying to evaluate the the team with the prettiest loss, and I thought that Notre Dame had had the prettiest loss because they were so close to winning at Florida State, the defending national champion. So I thought they would be in that three or four position. But to my surprise, they were number 10.
2: Exactly. Uh, my surprise, too, to say the least. Um, yeah, you, you know, first and foremost, you know, I liked the show, you know, and a poll release is now officially a show. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> it was on Tuesday night at <laughs> 730. You know, I DVR'd it night, but then I watched it live. Uh you know, I just liked the whole way it was handled. It, you know, it had a nice drama as it kind of, you know, opened up by showing them preparing the room where the committee would sit, and uh, you know, it was just uh, it had a nice air of drama. Uh, the fact that it was the first, and we both know all that matters is the last. <laughs> um, I think they're going to make the announcement of the final four on December seventh, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I, I believe you know they're going to do the show every Tuesday night on ESPN, which will be you know next whatever five, six, seven weeks, and then culminating with uh, the, the really the only one that matters. But you know every one will be a, be interesting, uh, <laughs> you know, leading up to the final four. I, I that that'll be uh, that should be a ratings winner. AP, who wouldn't tune into that one, right?
4: Well. Every team is involved, so you have to... It's the only place you can watch the unfolding of the of the poll. So, yeah. so you have to watch it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I do believe that's, uh, you know, December 7th is the day, and I'm just looking at my calendar here because I'm curious if that will be like the, tu- uh, the Tuesday night show. And, uh, no, I'm showing it's December 7th is a Sunday, so... A special edition, I'm guessing. That'll be a big winner. That'll be a a ratings blockbuster potentially if that's how it's going to unfold, like on live TV, which I assume it will.
4: John, it, it'll be an unbelievable suspense, if, especially yes. if the teams are so tight, where there's you know three or four with that one loss, and and then as you progress th- through the season, if they keep flopping back those different teams, and yep. in the end, you're really not sure what one lost team, let's say, would make that three and four or second spot. John, John you could have uh, maybe one undefeated team. Like I keep saying, Florida State was the one I thought would go undefeated, and Baylor was the other, and they got knocked out a few weeks back. So yep. Florida State, I think, is on the road to maybe being the only undefeated team. So then you're going to have these one lost teams. Uh, I don't think a 2 lost team is going to be in that top four, but... I don't know. It's possible. You
2: know, I mean, it's just going to be unbelievable now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know there's going to be easily 8 to 10 teams that could make a, a wonderful claim, the way this season is shaping up so far, what's bound to happen in the next four or five weeks. Uh, there will be, you know, minimum 8 to 10 teams and their fans tuning in, thinking they have every right to be in that Final Four I guarantee it. It's not going to be just like teams five and six feeling left out. I think there's going to be five or six teams feeling left out. Uh, But, AP, why don't we uh, take our break here? We can lots more college football to talk about on the other side, which is exactly what we're going to do after this break.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome
2: back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., picking up where we left off last segment about the first-ever college football playoff poll that was released this week. You cover Alabama. You know them like no other. Uh, what was? They were rated number six outside the, the final four, at least for now. What what was the sentiment, and, you, and you're living down in Alabama now, of course, uh, what was the sentiment in Alabama about the number six ranking?
4: I think they feel they're in a, a good position because they're going to have to win out their games. They know the goal that must be achieved for them to be in the Final Four, so it's spelled out for them. They had that hiccup against Ole Miss, and now there's no more air, room for error, so they, they must... Beat Mississippi State at home, Auburn at home, and then go down to LSU and win on the road.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty simple actually. The fact that they did lose to Ole Miss does make it simple. They you know they can't lose again. It's not like there's you know any security blanket or or trampoline under their season. It's, <laughs> they, they just have to win. Uh, no fallback, shall we say? And. I'm guessing Nick Saban probably likes that.
4: I I think so, because he can really point to that, uh, you know, every game saying it's a must-win. We don't have to deal with any questions about what we need to do. It's spelled out for us, and, you know, he'll proceed accordingly to get his team fired up, and and I don't think it'll take very much, honestly, to, to galvanize that unit now.
2: No, no, well... One Mississippi school got them already, but they could certainly uh, take down the other Mississippi school. And that would obviously, uh, I think that would, assuming they won the rest of their games, that would get them obviously in the final four because Mississippi is ranked number one. Mississippi State, excuse me. Ranked number one. <laughs> <It> gets confusing. <laughs> ranked number one undefeated. Potentially the leader in the Heisman roast with Dak Prescott. Uh, so, yeah, uh, could be the game of the year there, that's for sure.
4: And, and then you have a team like Auburn. They, I think they have the most difficult road to to stay in that top four. They have to play at Ole Miss this weekend, at Georgia, at Alabama. That's, that's a gauntlet if I've ever heard of one.
2: Indeed it is, and, you know, not only are you an expert on Alabama, of course you're an expert on the SEC. Uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Does the loser of the Ole Miss-Auburn game, the, it would appear they would probably be cooked, although just going back to your two-loss statement, nothing is out of the question, but the loser of tomorrow's Ole miss Auburn game is probably done as far as making the final four. You one would think.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put my hopes on shopping at Neiman Marcus in Dallas. Let's put it that way.
2: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that would be
4: in a weird way.
2: Just because of the you know newness, if you will, of Ole Miss uh, suddenly in the national picture and given their history. you know, I'll speak for myself, I'd be a little sad if, like, when I go to bed tomorrow night, Ole Miss is pretty much done, because, you know, I and many others, you know, like the story, you know, and the storied history that goes with it. Um, So, yeah. I I guess it's, for me, like, the wake-up call that suddenly we're here. We've arrived. It is November after all, but it's only November 1st where teams that we thought might be in the Final Four are going to not be in the Final Four, and we're going to know it tomorrow. That seems weird. seems early.
4: Yeah, it really does, John, because they had such a great season, all that publicity from hosting game day and beating Alabama. Yep. It, it, just, it, would, it would seem there would be a tinge of sadness if Ole Miss didn't make it, but uh, that's college football. Every weekend you must compete, especially in the SEC, and uh, Ole Miss, I mean, they've been building their program with Hugh Freeze, and now you're you're going to find out. Do we have the depth? Do we have the enthusiasm? Do we have the intensity to compete week in and week out with a team like Auburn?
2: Exactly, exactly, and, and if they do beat Auburn, let's not forget Auburn was in the national championship last year, the game, lost to Florida State in a great game, and, you know, So to see them knocked out, you know, would be uh, equally surprising. So, you know, and that's what makes it great, uh, you know. Uh,
4: Two great teams. This SEC Western Division, I've never seen it so competitive, John, at the highest level. I mean, you might have one season where teams are beating each other, but, my goodness, they're all in the top ten.
2: Yes, and weren't there three SEC teams in the in the top 4 last week this week
4: yeah i mean in in the in the college football playoff rankings there's 3 in the top 6
2: yeah well we all know you know this whole SEC bias and you know people who don't who perceive it but don't like it uh what i like my favorite part of this whole thing and from the day i heard how this CFP college football playoff was going to unfold with a committee and everything i always assumed that, you know, conferences are now a non-factor. And I've just never had another thought in my head that it wasn't that way with this committee. And I think the first poll ever on Tuesday night bore that out. There are three teams in the top four. Uh, You you know, you could argue till you know, till you're blue in the face, but it's just, uh, you know, The committee's not thinking about it at all, like conference alignments or conference memberships, whatever you want to call it, and I love it. I I think that's the way it should be.
4: Yeah, John, you're right. I I said three in the top six. I meant to say four, and I think that the the basketball people can teach the football people a little bit about committees and how they select the teams for their playoffs. And just like you said, you made an excellent point. You're you're, you're, uh, a separate entity. And you're evaluated regardless of your conference. It's who did you play, where was the game played, and how did you fare? Exactly.
2: And let's not forget that Bill Hancock, who is the head of the CFP, as uh, you know, has a history of having worked on the NCAA basketball selection committee. So, you know, he he knows how that works, and and what better training than that, right?
4: Yeah, and a lot of the stories that were written before the actual rankings appeared. Seemed to feel the committee was in some uh, strange way going to adhere to maybe putting conference champions at the top. And I, and, and I think that's one of the guidelines that maybe might disappear down the, down the road, John, that that won't be such a big consideration, conference champion.
2: Yeah, and yeah, it raises an interesting point, you know, uh, just what I said earlier, Sunday night, December 7th. I assume all conference championships will be played by then because I think everything's just done, and then the following week is the final game of the year, regular season, when you know Army Navy has the stage to themselves. Is that that sound accurate to you? That yes, yes, that's okay. true, John.
4: Yeah, the ACC championship, ACC championship, Pac twelve, uh, Big Ten, um, the, the all of their champions really uh, played on Friday or Saturday, I believe.
2: All right, as it should be. Um, so, you know, that, that'll come into play. But, yeah, I, I just think, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what conference they're in. Just pick, you know, what the committee agrees to be, the best teams, and that's it. Um, and just see how it all shakes out. But, again, three of the top four were SEC teams, four of the top six. And, uh so, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, fascinating to watch. I mean, everyone was waiting with bated breath. And now we've seen, you know, uh, uh, the beginning of the of the mosaic that will go into making this thing up. And I, it was pretty much what I generally expected, you know, but I liked it. I, I think it's, it's, it's time, to put it
4: mildly. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, John, another team I wanted to discuss for a moment was Looking at the Michigan State, they had that, them at, at 8, and TCU was above them. And I thought because Michigan State went on the road and lost to Oregon, maybe they might have them above TCU, who lost to Baylor. You know, I, I just thought that, that was a little uh, little odd, odd in their, in their uh, ranking.
2: Well, I guess that's what happens when you score 82 points, right? It
4: gets everyone's attention.
2: Even though the week before or a couple weeks ago, you had given up uh, <laughs> what was it, sixty-one?
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, <laughs> I I don't see how you can win a championship giving up so many points, but <laughs> video game numbers. Yeah, I mean, I guess the shoe manufacturers like you, but I don't know if I it appeals to me watching a football game.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that's what you call truly both ends of the spectrum. Giving up sixty-one, scoring eighty-two in a span of two or three weeks. It's remarkable. Uh, But on that note, why don't we uh, take our break here? Still a little more college football to talk about on the other side. Uh, So that's exactly what we'll do after the break.
0: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America
2: listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is... Patriots Broncos four thirty p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. It's going to be a cold one here in New England. Uh, AP got to ask you, what do you think about that game?
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, when uh, Peyton Manning is going up against a Bill Belichick defense, he just gets you know frazzled by the whole thing and confused, and I think he. I don't know. I, I think he doesn't. He doesn't have a tendency to relax. So I'd say the Patriots got a good chance to win.
2: Yeah. Well, the beauty of this game, aside from the screamingly obvious, and where do I begin? Brady versus Manning, Manning versus Belichick, on and on and on. Is that right now they may be playing the best of any two teams in the league? No shocker. Uh, that's often the case in recent years. And but I mean they're both coming off you know literally like record-setting performances where the Broncos looked really strong against one of their nemesis, the San Diego Charges, on Thursday night a week ago. So they're they're obviously well rested. The Patriots, if there was any questions or doubts, they were erased last Sunday when they just blitzed the Bears to put them mildly. <laughs> uh, but that's the beauty of this. We're, we're, Here's the way I'm looking at this game. Uh, It has a high probability of deciding home field advantage in the playoffs, quite possibly the AFC championship game, uh, exactly like last year, which was played in Denver, and, you know, Denver won (laughs) pretty handily, I might add. Uh, I think we know the Patriots record. At home, uh, even though they've had some stumbles in the playoffs, most notably the Ravens a couple of years ago, when uh, when they lost pretty big for right from the opening quarter. Um, but you know, the record, their, their home record, I think Brady is whatever fifty and three or something like that in the last six seven years. Uh, it's impressive. Bottom line, you know, if the Patriots are hosting them, you like their chances. So yeah, I I, I think. That's very well what this game could decide. Uh, I thought the same thing last year. It wasn't the determining factor, i.e., the Patriots. Uh, yeah, and let's remember last year, if you want to get excited, more excited than you already are for this game. You know, remember last year in that bitter cold weather, Broncos took a 24 nothing halftime lead, and Patriots stormed back to win that game. And, you know, at the time, we all thought that's it. That, you know, that could... Mean home field, it didn't because you know, I think we both know that <laughs> neither team's probably going to run the table the rest of the year, but you never know, they might. No.
4: It could happen, but I it's, it's highly, uh, uh, you know, unlikely. Highly unlikely.
2: I mean, bottom line last year, the Patriots the Broncos had a quote one game lead, uh, over the Patriots at the end of the year, despite the Patriots winning. But, you know, we all know that head to head is the next tiebreaker after record and uh, certainly could come into play. So that's going to be fun, to say the least. Uh, You know, speaking of fun games to watch, that Mississippi LSU game, pretty fascinating last week, I'd say. uh, Especially what went on at the end of that game with the field goal, the penalty, you know, you freeze going for it, Bo Wallace throwing interception. You freeze's comments after the game, where he basically talked about what he told Wallace, which was, you know, don't take any chances. He did, uh, and he lost.
4: Yeah, he's uh that was a Mississippi River gambler type of play, and yep, he lost big time because uh, they were in you know striking distance of winning that game, even with all the miscues at the end. Uh, I didn't understand how they didn't get the playoff and you couldn't get the field goal team on and just there's a number of mishaps that I mean you have to have precision down there at the end. There's no room for error. And they were just, just looked like they were unorganized.
2: It did. Little did we know we'd be looking at uh, what seemed like a uh, deja vu the very next morning <laughs> with the Detroit lions and the Atlanta Falcons. Not quite the same given it was a penalty, but, uh, You know, just goes to show you, yeah, precision. Um, You know, what happened to the Lions could easily have been reversed. They could have hit the winner, you know, and had the penalty called and then missed the second kick from five yards further. But, yeah, I think we're all, you know, amazed when you get to the, certainly the NFL, but really the college level too, when anything other than precision is – kind of tough to fathom like how can they not have this down but again it's easy to say louise a little harder to do than you know when there's ninety thousand plus in death valley on a saturday night right
4: yeah i mean the lsu's crowd was all excited and they're playing better defensively obviously but but john it's something that these teams practice i mean they have a special teams coach it's emphasized it's prioritized and then, when you come down to the game, the big game, and you're you're trying to make the field goal and getting everyone on the same page, and it doesn't happen it's bewildering you you're thinking what was done during the what have you been doing all season I mean this is the moment you practice what happened exactly exactly
2: um, but it continues to go on as we both know and and will continue to go on at the end of the day, you're talking you know twenty year olds Just that simple.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're playing the video game and you just hit the button.
2: Right, you're not sitting on the couch.
4: No, Um, it all has to be done on the field in the heat of competition with, as you say, all the screaming fans, not not particularly, uh, you know, exhorting you you to to play well. (laughs) Correct, correct.
2: And as we head down uh, under five minutes now, AP, uh, breaking news today that the Michigan Athletic Director, Dave Brandon, is going to resign. It uh, came across ESPN. Uh, there's been a lot of issues at Michigan this fall. You know, as I started the show with, you know, I attended the Sports Legacy Institute uh, awards night, Impact Awards night last night. They, of course, are the organization that has brought sports concussions into the public consciousness here in America, and of course, it's at the end of the day. I think you know the concussion situation out there. Michigan with the quarterback uh, is what you know undid Dave Brandon.
4: Yeah, the, the, the mishandling of that concussion incident. Just with like piling on to all the all the factors that contributed to him resigning today. And John, I, I think that if the football team was winning, I think there would have been a lot of grumbling. But I don't think you would have seen his uh, re- resignation. I think that if he had the football team won a few more games, he'd still be there. There probably some changes made, but he he might still be there athlete right
2: there at Michigan. Bingo. Uh, You just hit the nail right on the head, AP, as always. Uh, Funny how these things happen when it's a losing record versus a winning record. Uh, That's exactly uh, and always will be, you know, maybe the determining factor, uh, you know, when incidents like this occur, to put it mildly. Um, So lastly, under two minutes now, what game jumps out at you tomorrow. We already talked about, you know, the uh, Auburn at Mississippi game. A- anything else jump out at you as intriguing tomorrow?
4: Uh, no, that, that's my, my eyes are going to be pretty much on that old Miss-Auburn game because it's going to knock somebody right out of the box. I mean, those are the top teams in that college football playoff ranking, so that that's the game that kind of hits home with me, John. I just... You know, it's hard to believe. I, I, it's still hard to fathom Ole Miss and Mississippi State at the top because I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I wasn't sure I'd see one of them, never mind both of them.
2: Correct, correct. Well, I agree. Clearly the game of the day, but uh, just as we wrap up, the game that intrigues me is, in addition to that one, obviously, TCU-West Virginia, especially given what you were just saying earlier. TCU is ranked above Michigan State. So they're... Uh, <laughs> You know, I just think that, and West Virginia's playing well, so I think that's, uh, you know, has potential to be a really good game.
4: You you know, John, it's funny. You you, you have been uh, right on cue with all these upsets during the year, and so uh, that could (laughs) be another one in the making. West Virginia, for some reason, they've been playing very good. Uh, Very well, and it's in Morgantown. You were
2: there just a couple of months ago. You know, nothing more need be said. Uh, And, Clint Trickett's fun to watch, and TCU's fun to watch, so I, I think it could be a shootout like that, whatever, 71-70 to 70 game a few years ago with Baylor. We could have another one of those. <laughs>
4: yeah, but I wouldn't want to be
2: TCU, uh, you know, playing that game. That's a tough place to win. I agree, and game day, I believe, is from Morgantown tomorrow, which I'll be really enjoying, given that I covered the Mountaineers, so... Another fun football Saturday, AP. As always, thank you for your expertise.
4: Well, thank you very much, John. My pleasure. Look forward to next week.
2: Me too as well. And thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.